0: Today on Blue 58, just a few days ago, it was all good vibes. Now the Titans took the Packers apart and all but ended things. It's not technically over, but it feels over. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and I'm tired. I'm just kind of tired. It's been a long season. And it was a long game Thursday night. And the Packers ultimately, well, too little, too late it feels like a pretty perfect summary of where the Packers are right now. They have both too little, and it came too late. The too little is easy to identify. They've got no pass rush on defense. Rashawn Gary is probably the most important player on that side of the ball, pretty clearly, right? ACL aside, I would just kind of slide him a check this offseason. Why don't you write what you think is fair on there, and we'll see how things go. Because outside of Gary, there's nobody who moves the needle for opposing offenses at all. And why would you be scared of anybody else on the Packers' defense? There's just nobody there. Nobody there who can make things happen on their own. On the offensive side of the ball, the Packers had no offense tonight, outside of Christian Watson and Randall Cobb. You were going to struggle to run against the Titans anyway that comes with the territory, they're a great run defense. Aaron Rodgers missed some throws, but also he's throwing to Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Robert Tunyon. And together, they were targeted with 17 passes and came up with eight catches for 76 yards. And 23 of those 76 yards came on one catch by Alan Lazard. Back on defense, I would say they have too little pass defense, but they had no pass defense at all. Just too little on this Packers team. And what they did have, what they do have, has come too late. Christian Watson is exciting. As exciting an offensive player arriving in Green Bay is probably since Aaron Jones. Since 2017, and we got a glimpse of how good Aaron Jones could be. I don't know if there's been another player added to the Packers offense that's as exciting other than Christian Watson, and he has been amazing these past two weeks, but he's come to the Packers too late. This is just the fourth game in a row that he's played. He's had two other stints this year where he's played in two games, but he's missed games in between them, and even within these four, two of those four, he didn't finish. Had the concussion against the Bills, got banged up against the Lions, and then the Cowboys game, of course, happened, and then this game. And he was good in both the Cowboys and this game. But it's just too late in the season now. And on top of that, if you want to say Christian Watson is the help we've been waiting for, we've been saying for years the Packers needed to invest at wide receiver. It's great that it's paying off now, but you needed help before now. Elsewhere, Preston Smith had a nice game, but with Gary out, it doesn't really matter. And if J.J. Inigbari is finally ready to be edge number three here in late November or December, who cares? I mean, it's great that he's making strides, but the Packers needed that a long time ago. Special teams, they too are in the too late territory. Keyshawn Nixon, it looks like a fantastic punt returner, at least by comparison to what came before him. But you let that go on too long. You let Amari Rodgers fumble away punts for half a season, more than half a season. It's just too late. Too little and too late. And if this game had happened in like week three, you can probably live with it. You're not going to get everyone. Sometimes you run into a team that matches up pretty well with you, and as we said in the preview, the Titans match up pretty well with the Packers. One of the things that they do really well, run the ball, is something the Packers have struggled to defend this year, and the Packers shell out to stop it and leave the rest of their defense wide open. If something like that, like I said, happens early in the season, well, these things happen. How many years in a row have we talked about the Packers playing poorly in Week 1? Two, really, because they were great in Week 1 in 2020, but you know what I'm saying they have been known to have poor games early in the season. And if this game had happened early in the season, eh, so what? But instead, it's the seventh loss of the year. And according to the number of crunchers at 538, the Packers now have just a 5% chance at the playoffs. And that seems high. And say they make the playoffs, then what? I mean, you're getting in as the seventh seed, so you're probably going up against some other uh, division-winning opponent. If the Eagles end up winning the NFC East, they're probably getting the NFC West winner. You want to play the San Francisco 49ers on the road in January? I don't think so. And if they don't make the playoffs, what do they do in the meantime? Say the Packers read the writing on the wall. They've got six games to go. A month and a half of pretty close to meaningless football left. So here we are. Just another feckless, punchless loss from the Packers. Their defense can't stop anybody in one specific way, and their offense couldn't score enough to make it matter even if they did. Who out there would be scared of this Packers team right now? The answer is nobody, and nobody should. If the 1-6 Detroit Lions had no fear of the Green Bay Packers, why would anybody Certainly nobody ahead of them in the NFC standings should even think about being worried about the Packers right now. And the Packers aren't going to give them any reason to be worried either. So here we sit. It was fun while it lasted after the Cowboys game. But now it's basically, it, it's basically over. It's all over but the, the math at this point. This is not a team that's going to rally. It's too little too late. That's not to say there weren't good things happening in this game. We can name three of them. Keyshawn Nixon's fun to watch. Christian Watson, also fun, somewhat infuriating because he does stop his routes from time to time, but he's coming along. And this is a reach, but JJ Enigbari is at least active up front. It wasn't all bad, but there was plenty of bad. Let's start with that pass defense. Look, Ryan Tannehill is not a bad quarterback. I hope that came across when I talked about him in pregame. I called him fast Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins will sit sit back there and pick you apart if you give him time. If you sit back there in a soft zone, he'll find ways to exploit it. And Ryan Tannehill did that. He will beat you if you let him. And boy, did they. And on top of that, the Titans add some insult to injury late by going deep on Jire Alexander right before the two-minute warning. We said there wasn't a lot to be worried about in the Titans passing game. There isn't. There shouldn't be. Traylon Burks was about their most interesting guy. It wasn't clear really what he was coming into this game. What is he? He's coming along slow his rookie year. Well, he looked like a guy who could make plays downfield in this one. The Traylon Burks breakout game finally arrived. Digging a little bit deeper, how about some conversion stats? Tennessee 8 of 15 on third and fourth down. That's not going to win you a whole lot of football games, giving up that rate. Among so many other things, that was just galling. The Packers' defense could not and would not get off the field. When the Packers' offense was moving the ball in the first half, the defense is just giving up five, eight, ten-minute drives. Unable to get out of their own way. And I think that circles back to the fact that they just don't have anybody out there right now. Rashawn Gary... Is not there to make plays for you on passing downs. Kenny Clark still needs some help because for whatever reason Devontae Wyatt isn't getting the snaps. And Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry just aren't the answer. They're also beat up at linebacker. Devondre Campbell is out again. We could probably chalk that up among his, you know, 2022 regression a little bit. Just injury luck is a part of of being on the field. And he hasn't been able to be out there as much this year. That's not to say it's his fault that he's hurt or that he could have done anything different, but that's just part of the picture of being an NFL player. And boy, they needed him tonight. Instead, they had to sell out in different ways to stop the run, and that left the secondary pretty open to being exploited. Not to say they couldn't have done quite a few different things schematically. It seemed like they were playing pretty soft against Tennessee time and time again. Asking quite a lot in a couple different scenarios from Rudy Ford, and the Titans were happy to take advantage there too. Just too little and too late. And then if you want to cap it off with one last bad thing, how about just everything that happened after the, the score turned to 2017? So the Packers score on a nice play to Christian Watson, and thanks to Tennessee missing a PAT, it's 20-17. to 17. We're in the third quarter. Things are looking pretty good but the Titans go down and score. 27-17, the score. At that point, Packers can still respond, right? Sure, they can. Instead, they go three and out. First play is a shot play to Christian Watson, and Watson kind of stops his route about two-thirds of the way through before Aaron Rodgers even throws the ball. You'd have to think that la- that lesson would have sunk in last week after he basically missed a touchdown by stopping his route in a similar situation, but no, it didn't. That's the stuff you have to live with with a young player. No worries. Packers can still get it back. Titans are driving next time down. Rasul Douglas gets a pick. Packers have no more life. Next drive, holding. First down. Packers battle back to third and 12. Aaron Rodgers misses badly to Sammy Watkins. Okay. Technically, there is still time because the Titans are helping him out a little bit here, too. The Titans went three and out on their next possession. What do the Packers do in response? They go four and out. On third down, Aaron Rodgers misses Allen Lazard high. And on fourth down, Alan Lazard just kind of stops on the sideline. And the ball sails harmlessly over his head, and away goes what remains of the hope for the Packers season. But there's still hope. Titans go three and out. Their next drive, three and out. Packers still have a chance. What do the Packers do? They run 10 plays to get 37 yards, taking three minutes of game clock away 18 of 37 yards came on third and 19 on that drive and what do they do after that third and 19 well with fourth and one the season on the line Packers go hurry up and run directly at Jeffrey Simmons the very best defensive player on this very good Titans defense their run defense at least very good running directly at their best player with the season on the line, is certainly a choice you can make. And that's what the Packers did. So what does this mean? I mean, this is it, right? This is how it ends, functionally. The Packers, I mean, the Titans aren't bad. They're not a bad team. Like we said coming in in the preview, 6-7 over their last seven weeks, their only loss in that stretch. And over time, tough matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, and there's no shame in losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're very good. The Titans are good, and they'll beat you if you let them, and the Packers let them. They let the Titans do everything they needed to do to win this game. So the only question is what happens from here, and I don't have an answer because you can do whatever you want this season. It really doesn't matter. You can pack it in and get some young guys reps. You can fight till the bitter end until you're absolutely mathematically eliminated. Either way, it doesn't really matter because I think we know that the Packers aren't going to make a lot of noise one way or another. But where you go from here at the bigger scale does matter. And some of those decisions need to start being considered now. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Does he come back next year? Do you want him back next year? What do you do with his contract if he does come back next year? Because I don't think you want to play with the cap hit that he's going to have. Do you go kind of year to year again? Do you restructure that somehow, some way? I don't know. What do you do with Joe Barry? It's been the the question now for, for two seasons. Because last year he was good, not great. Statistically, they were pretty close to where Mike Patton was in 2020. You can even dig down pretty deep into some of the EPA stats and stuff like that. Our memories about Mike Pettin were skewed by some high-profile bad performances. On a per-game basis, right there with Joe Barry, for better or for worse, Pettin was shown the door. Barry's sticking around so far. Do you think he's the guy to oversee the next phase of this Packers defense, given all you've invested there and the results you've gotten so far? Is he your guy? And what do you do with the rest of the roster? The Packers are already over the cap for 2023. There needs to be some big decisions made. Aaron Jones, his contract number, or his, his cap number gets pretty, pretty big next year, next spring. Who else do you want around for the the further retool? David Bakhtiari's contract probably keeps him on the Packers next year because the the out doesn't really come until after next season. Do you want to run it back with guys like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas again? What about Preston Smith? Do you have to retool this whole defense again? And how do you start sorting that thing out now? I don't have an answer for that. I don't know what the Packers should do. I need to put some serious thought into that over the next couple of weeks. What should the Packers do? If Aaron Rodgers wants to come back, should you even let him? I kind of think you might have to, to flip him. See if somebody's willing to take on the trade. I mean, it's not completely completely untenable to try to move him. It is possible. That might be the best way to get out from under the contract. But it all comes down to what he wants and what you want. Because as we've said before, it's not a mystery to the Packers that this season has been tough. I mean, you've there were going to be some growing pains with his offense. There are so many new parts. Of course, it was going to take a little while to get rolling. But there was so many injuries on the offensive line, among the receiving core, stuff like that, that it, was, that it was worse and tougher than I think they could have anticipated. So if this year was supposed to be a soft reboot anyway, do the Packers just say, no, this is part of the plan, 2023 is going to be better, we still want Rodgers back, and we're going to try to do this all again? Can you really see the Packers taking enough steps to, to get to that point? Were there a contender in 23? It doesn't feel like it's there, just given what we've seen from this team. And a lot can change, of course. There's a lot of different variables. But, boy, it's it's a tough decision to have to make. What happens next, though, is the Packers are off this coming Sunday because we've already got this week's game out of the way. Your Sunday is free. You can watch more football. You can do whatever you want to do. But next Sunday, Sunday after Thanksgiving, the Packers have a date with the Philadelphia Eagles on the road on Sunday Night Football. And the Philadelphia Eagles are loading up even more. They've added Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue this week. And they still run the ball pretty darn well. If you think stopping Derrick Henry was a challenge. Well, the Eagles are an entirely different one. And um, getting it done against the Eagles might be an even bigger ask than what we saw against the the Titans this week. It's going to be tough. It could be a long seven weeks, counting the bye, before we get to the offseason. And still, we, we can't say that it's impossible that the Packers make a run here. But pretty much, it's got to start right now. There isn't a lot of wiggle room left, and you got to run the table from here. If you can't beat the Eagles... I mean, we're we're talking about, we're already talking about single-digit percentages of getting to the playoffs, but we're going to get down to like 1-2%. Controlling your destiny, d- destiny is one thing, stacking as many wins as you can, but the Packers need an enormous, enormous amount of help, and it just doesn't feel like something that's possible. Let's clear out the notebook and then get on with our, well, I almost said, We can't call it a victory Monday, a loss Friday. Let's try to coast into the weekend together. Let's put it that way. Start off with some uniforms. I mean, I like the Packers white over white uniforms. I don't like it at home. I don't hate the look overall. And if I use my one to four scale, I think it's a three and a half out of four tonight. Look great under the lights. Titans are a one out of four. I, I already don't like blue over blue. I don't like their particular shade of blue, and there are just so many things going on on their uniforms. You got the two-tone helmet stripes. You got the red Nike swoosh on the shoulders. You got the two-tone sleeve and pant stripes, which are supposed to look like swords. If you read into their marketing speak about what those swords are supposed to represent, it it doesn't work with the mythology of the Titans and, and stuff like that. That's some pedantic history nerd type stuff the numbers just so pointy. The nameplates look big. It it's, it's just a weird mishmash of uniforms. And they don't, it doesn't all look good together. If you had like two of those five things, you might have something there. But instead it's just, it looks like it was designed by a committee and not a particularly good committee overall. So the pairing between them and the Packers, I give it a half point out of two possible. Overall, we're looking at a 5 out of 10 here, and that's mostly due to the Packers looking pretty good in their white over white. I want to talk for a second about Matt LaFleur making some innovative moves on offense. I've talked sort of tongue-in-cheek about his lack of innovation on offense for the Packers this year. Pretty much I said in in the past that it was basically just the pony stuff, ooh, two running backs on the field at once and moving Adam Stanovic up to the up to the booth. Well, we've since learned that Adam Stenovich moving to the booth wasn't a decision by Lafleur and the coaching staff. it was just because uh, Stenovich hurt his back and wanted to sit down for a game and not not stand up on the sideline. So we took that talking point even even another step further. It was just the pony stuff. Well, we did see some interesting stuff. I thought from LaFleur and the offense tonight. They did some some different sort of looks out of the uh, out of the pony tonight. A couple real interesting, like zone read, uh, coupled with a toss uh, type plays that I thought were really interesting. One in particular, you had um, Josiah Aguara coming across the formation in motion. You do a zone read, kind of moving right to left for uh, AJ Dillon, and then you end up flipping it out to, to Aaron Jones going right with uh, DeGuara out in front of him as a lead blocker. Fantastic, fantastic play. Love it. Uh, they did some interesting stuff, getting four receivers on the same side of the formation. They kind of lead, I thought, too heavily on some screen looks to Aaron Jones out of that particular formation, but that is a pretty interesting concept, and that's something that LaFleur has been kind of on the forefront NFL-wide on for some time. Uh, getting four guys on the same side of the field is a is a pretty like college football type thing. But LaFleur has had some good success with the Packers using motion and some interesting formations to achieve that in the NFL and get some real numbers advantages. He's also, and this we saw a couple times tonight after it's gone away for a little while, has used his jet motion man as a lead blocker a couple of times this year. Uh, Christian Watson did it at least one time in tonight's game. It, it's a it's an interesting concept from Lafleur, who has loved that, that zone or that um, that jet motion really since he arrived in Green Bay. But it's usually to try to get the, the defense moving away from where you want to run. This year, he's kind of turning that on its head and using it to get guys out in front of plays that are going a direction already. It's a great way to, to get a numbers advantage, I think, in your running game, getting one guy moving at speed from one side of the formation to the other and just having him slam into somebody... Seems like common sense sort of football, but it's a a nifty little innovation from Lafleur. So this game, even though the Packers only ended up with with 17 points, wasn't without some good stuff from the offense. There was some bad stuff too, and not all of it the Packers' fault. Tierra Tart, the uh, number 93 on the Tennessee Titans, appearing to fake an injury may have been the biggest play of the game. So the Packers are driving to start the third quarter. On second and seven, Aaron Jones is thrown for a loss, but the Packers come back quick and try to get the Titans subbing. Tart falls to the ground. Refs stop the play. Rodgers ends up throwing the ball away on third and 11, and the Packers have to settle for a field goal. It looked like the the Packers might have been able to get a free play on that play, but Tart, I guess wisely, gamesmanship perspective, decides that he's hurt on that particular play, though he did come back later. Pretty big turning point in that game, especially considering the Packers may have had a free play in the works there, too. Speaking of offensive innovation, I loved the Derrick Henry jump pass. Just, I mean, if it wasn't happening against the Packers, you'd be over the moon to see something like that. Just a fun, little, simple play that works so well. You can't, you can overuse it, obviously. But Henry, you know, being whatever, 250, 260 pounds just the size that he is, you know that you have to sell out to stop him at the goal line. What's the easiest way, what's the the simplest way to take advantage of that? You could do play action, traditional stuff, or you could just say, hey, Derek, we're going to hand the ball to you. Wait till everyone's looking at you and then just throw it up in the air. Austin Hooper will find it eventually. And Henry does more than that. Does the nifty little jump pass, puts it right where Hooper can get it. I mean, you got to applaud the Titans. It was a great call in the perfect play, and they executed it to perfection. Speaking of executing to perfection, the Rasul Douglas pick was so good. And hopefully we can get Dusty Evely to break that down for us at some point over the next week. Hopefully he's not traveling or something for Thanksgiving. But just, he was not supposed to be where he was. And uh, Kirk Herbstreet even kind of alluded to this on the broadcast, but that was almost entirely Douglas seeing what was happening on the play, realizing where the Titans were going to be going and deciding he needed to be there and just getting to that point. The amount of preparation and awareness and just athleticism and skill that it takes to pull off a play like that, it's hard to not be super excited, even after a game where the Packers' pass defense was, was terrible and they end up losing and potentially ending their season, plays like that, well, it's like an analogy I heard about golf. Like, you can have a bad round of golf, but you're almost always going to hit one shot that keeps you coming back. And stuff like that is the stuff that keeps me coming back, even in, in down years or bad years, because you watch games and you see a bunch of stuff that you've seen before or a bunch of stuff that just isn't going your way. But then you see one player, two plays, where it's just like, now that, that is something special. And that pick from Douglas, I think, is an example of one of those special things that should keep you coming back, even even in a loss. Finally, I think it's evidence of how his game is developing even, even pretty quickly, but Christian Watson's non-deep shot stuff looked much better in this game. He's still not quite a natural mover in the some of the short stuff, some of the speed outs, the quick outs that the Packers run, but he seems to have a much better feel even over the last couple of weeks of where the defense is going to be soft and where he can sit down and find a hole for Rodgers to find him. That's great to see. That really speaks to his development and really... Um, where he is as a player, it supports what everybody has said about him this whole time, that the mental side of the game for him is really, really strong. And seeing him get some consistent reps now a couple of weeks in, the row, in a row, excuse me, you can see where it comes together pretty quickly. He's a smart guy, and he's got a lot of athletic tools. It's just a little bit of a shame that we had to wait until the middle of November to really get a good look at him um, in this Packers offense. It's the way it goes sometimes. And unfortunately for the Packers, that's the way it has gone this year. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I know it's a bit of a bummer. I know that um, this season hasn't been what any of us hoped. And I know that after this loss, it's, it's basically over. But that doesn't mean it still can't be interesting. Like we were just talking about with the Douglas pick, there's still going to be good stuff to find. And I know that I'm going to have to work even harder as host of this podcast to keep finding it for you. But there's good stuff to look at. And we'll be able to look at it together. And still, I think, have a good time with, um, with some parts of this season and whatever comes next. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you enjoyed it a lot, do me a favor. Share it with someone you think would enjoy it, too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers. Which, in turn, is going to help all of us me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.